You want to talk about one of the biggest, most grandiose shocks that's going to hit this world, according to the Bible, at any moment, and that shock is the rapture of the church, a doctrine that is taught in the Word of God. But lots of questions concerning the second coming of Christ. Well, the Thessalonians had questions concerning the coming of the Lord. You and I have questions concerning the coming of the Lord. So today we want to look at four key questions regarding this coming of the Lord that we know as the rapture. Do you have questions about what it means to be raptured? Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, he'll highlight key scriptures that reveal the truth about what Christ has in store for His bride, the church, and that He really is coming back for her soon, just as He promised. Thank you for joining us today as we continue Pastor Jeff's series, Future Shock, What in the World is Going On? And today's lesson is simply entitled, Raptured. And remember, you can also listen to any of these broadcasts that you may have missed and also download a free MP3 of any broadcast when you click the Listen tab at fromhisheart.org. Open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians now as Pastor Jeff explains how we can be sure to be raptured. Now, the second coming of Christ is a key doctrine in the Bible. It's talked about in the Old Testament. It's talked about in the New Testament. If you put the Old Testament and the New Testament together and just look for the, the references to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you find one in 25 verses speak of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, it's spoken of 321 times, one in every 30 verses. It's the second most popular doctrine in all of the New Testament, second only to salvation. All Bible writers in the New Testament the nine who wrote in the New Testament by inspiration of the Holy Spirit speak of the second coming of Christ. In the book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, it's taught on every single page, on every chapter. It's a very, very important doctrine, but lots of us have questions about it, questions concerning the second coming of Christ. Well, the Thessalonians had questions too. They were asking Paul they were concerned about their loved ones and they were thinking with their loved ones who had died, I guess they're going to miss this thing called the rapture of the church. So that is what Paul is referencing when he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 13. He says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. We don't want you to be unaware. We don't want you to be ignorant about these things, about those who are asleep. Asleep is the Bible word for people who have died. In the Lord. We don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Now, we grieve when one of our loved ones who's a Christian dies, but we don't grieve as the unbelieving world does because they have no hope of the afterlife. So we don't grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believed, verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The Thessalonians had questions concerning the coming of the Lord. You and I have questions concerning the coming of the Lord. So today we want to look at four key questions regarding this coming of the Lord that we know as the rapture. Question number one, very basic question. What is the rapture? What is the rapture? Well, look at it again in verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself, he doesn't send uh, an entourage of angels. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. The only archangel that is mentioned in the Bible specifically is Michael. He'll descend uh, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Trumpets were used in the Bible to signify a meeting with God, used in the Old Testament that way. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. What is the rapture? The rapture is the secret coming of the Lord in the air. Now I say it's the secret coming. When the Bible talks about the second coming of Christ, I believe, as do many other Bible scholars believe, that speaks of two events. There's the secret coming and the second coming. There is the rapture and there is the return of Christ. When the Lord comes in the air and we're gathered up to him in the air, that's the secret coming. That's the coming in the clouds. When the Bible talks about in the Old Testament book of Zechariah, when the Lord returns at the second coming, he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. He comes at the battle of Armageddon in John or Revelation chapter 19. Very clear. He comes to the earth. The, the difference being at the rapture, he comes for his own. And at the return, he comes with his own. They say, it says in Revelation 19, that when the Lord comes back, he's riding a white horse and he has armies with him riding white horses who have been washed clean. That speaks of his own, his bride. So the rapture is the secret coming of the Lord and in the air is important. Secondly, the rapture is the catching away of the bride of Christ. Now, some people have said this concerning the rapture. They say, well, you know what? The word rapture isn't even in the Bible. Some of you guys, you make a whole doctrine out of something that's not even mentioned in the Bible. You do a, a search on any kind of Bible program and try and come up with the word rapture, you're not going to find it. That's true. The word rapture is not used in the Bible. The word that's used in the Bible is the Greek word harpazo. It's translated in verse 17, shall be caught up together. It's translated caught up. Harpazo means to snatch away. It means to uh, seize with force. It's kind of the picture, and the Lord even furthers this by saying he's going to come like a thief in the night. Harpazo is the picture of a thief coming and snatching away the jewels. He doesn't do it slowly. He does it quickly. And the scripture says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, it's going to happen just like that. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, snatched away. Harpazo. Harpazo is translated in the Latin translation of the Bible that uh, Jerome spent so many years translating the Hebrew and the Greek into Latin in the late 300s uh, AD. He translated the word rapti. Rapti in Latin is harpazo in Greek. It means to steal away, to seize away, to, to take by force. We get from the word rapti in Latin the word rapture. rapture. So if you don't like the term rapture, 
then you can go with catching away or seizing away or, or rapt eye or, or harpazo, whatever you want to do. I'm going to stick with rapture because it's just easier to remember. But it is the catching away of the bride of Christ. That's what the Lord is going to do. He's going to take away his bride. And it is the blessed hope and the comfort of all believers. This idea that the Lord is going to come, Paul had told the Thessalonians about this. And he said in chapter one, he was talking about their faith and he said, I'm so impressed with your faith, how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God. And then you're waiting for his son to appear who will deliver us from the wrath that is to come. That's a, a good description of what the Christian life is like. You turn away from your sin, your idols, whatever they were, and you turn to the Lord, you repent and believe on Jesus, and then you begin serving the living and true God. And while you're serving God, always in the forefront of your mind is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming again for me. And it is a comfort because Paul said in verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words, encourage one another with these words. Hey, are you down and discouraged? You think about the fact that the Lord is coming again. And he's coming for me. It's a word of comfort. Titus uses the term blessed hope. We're to be looking for the blessed hope. And he says the glorious, uh, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Hey, incidentally, if anybody ever tells you that Jesus Christ is not God and the Bible doesn't ever declare him God, go to Titus chapter 2, verse 13. The glory of our great God and Savior. Who's our great God and Savior? Jesus Christ. That's our great God and Savior. But here's the point. Idea of the rapture. What is it? It's the Lord coming in the clouds to call us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye to snatch away his church, his bride to himself. In John chapter 13, Jesus told his disciples some bad news. He said, guys, it's at the last supper. He said, guys, I'm going away. They said, you're going away? What do you mean you're going away? I'm going away. It's to your advantage that I go away. They're like, no way is it to our advantage that you go away. Jesus, we want you to stay here. No, I'm going to go away. And then in chapter 14, because they were so forlorn, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If I were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, those were words of comfort that he gave to his disciples. And it's a picture in that passage in John 14, one through three, it's a picture of the Jewish wedding ceremony. In the Jewish wedding ceremony, oftentimes the marriages were arranged and there was a betrothal, an engagement, different from our engagements because you couldn't break those without a formal divorce. And so uh, a man would be betrothed to a wife, to a woman, and they were going to get married at some date. They didn't know when it was going to be. The, the husband-to-be would go off and prepare a place for his bride. He would be working on a room, maybe uh, next to the father's house. He's adding a room for them to live. And the father of the groom-to-be, he would be overlooking that and he would be inspecting that. And when that was right, he would say to the groom-to-be, everything is ready, now go get your bride. And the bride's job was to get herself ready because she didn't know when her husband-to-be was going to come. So she had to live in a state of readiness and ex uh, excitement and expectation and uh, just everything. At any moment, he could come. Uh, you know, and he might come in the middle of the night. I got to be ready. I got to have my bags packed. It's kind of like if you're getting ready to have a baby, you have everything to, to get ready. So in case her water breaks, you're, you're ready to go. You're not having to put everything together. Well, wait, wait, don't I, wait a minute. I got to pack. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, you have your bags ready. And so that is the picture that the father says to the son, go get your bride. 
and he goes to get her unannounced and he just comes, I'm here. Are you ready? I'm going to take you to the place that I prepared for us. Do you remember when Jesus said of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not the angels, not even the son, but the father alone. That is keeping with the Jewish wedding ceremony and the Jewish tradition. It was the father who would say to the son, now it's time, go get your bride. And that's what the rapture is. It is the son coming himself. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. He goes and he gets his bride. So what is the rapture? It's the secret coming of the Lord in the air, the catching away of the bride of Christ, the blessed hope and the comfort of all believers. Second question, when is the rapture? When is the rapture? Now, when is not going to be a date because the Bible makes it clear we're not supposed to set dates. We don't know when. And if anybody who tries to tell you when, there are people that have written books. I think it was 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. It was a hot seller until 1989 hit. And then, then not very many people bought the 88 reasons. He came out, I'm told, with another book, 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1989. After that, he came out with another book, 90 reasons why I was wrong uh, for 1990. You know, I had one a year. I'm just making that up. But 88 and 89, that was true. And so we're not supposed to do that because the Lord says, you don't know when I'm coming. But we can have an idea and we are told to be ready. And listen, when he comes, the Bible makes this clear. When he comes, he'll come like a thief in the night. When he comes, he will come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And he comes and there is no time when he comes to get ready. You have to be ready because he comes just like that, quicker than that. The twinkling of the eye is the fastest movement of the human body. He's not talking about a blink. As fast as a blink is, it's faster than a blink. It's the time that it takes for light to hit the eye, the twinkling of an eye. That's how fast he comes. He comes and he's gone. And you could be sitting and talking to a person who is, is raptured before your eyes and you, you, would, you would say, what happened? This person was just here. Now they're just gone gone because that's how quickly it happens. You must be ready. But in general, when is this going to take place? Here are some schools of thought. Now, I want you to know up front, I make no bones about the fact that I believe what I believe, and we're going to talk about that. But other people believe other things. Other people smarter than me don't see it the same way as I do when it comes to eschatology, the study of end times. But that's okay. Uh, this is America. They have a right to be wrong. Here we go. Uh, this is the position called the historic premillennial view. It is, there's the cross of Christ. Jesus died on the cross. There's an indefinite period of time called the church age. And then there is a break, which begins the tribulation period, which is seven years long. And then Jesus returns. And what we just read about the rapture of the church and the return of Christ, that's all like one event. We go up he could, we meet him in the clouds and then we come down with him. So it's kind of go up, go down. Then it starts the thousand year reign of Christ. And then you have the new heavens and the new earth. That's the historic premillennial view. Millennial, don't let that confuse you. That just means 1,000. So the pre-1,000 year reign of Christ view. Then you have the amillennial view. Anytime you see ah in front of a word in the Greek language, it means not. So amillennial means there's not a millennial. So they just see the amillennialist, and normally a liberal is going to be amillennial because he likes to explain away the word of God. So he just sees that there's a church age after uh, Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. There's a church age, and then Jesus will one day return, and then there's heaven. So there is no thousand-year reign of Christ. Let me tell you something about that. Revelation chapter 20 
In the first seven verses, it mentions six times the time period 1,000 years. The devil is going to be bound for 1,000 years. The devil is not going to be able to deceive the nations for 1,000 years. Christians are going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, the Lord is going to release the devil. You have six references to the time period, 1,000 years. So I reject the amillennial view because the Bible clearly mentions a thousand years. You have this view called the postmillennial view. That says this, there is Christ, died on the cross, rose again from the dead. Then you have the church age, started at Pentecost, and the church is ever expanding. And then you have this time that's the golden age and the church is reigning and things are just getting better and better and better. And what ushers in that? Not the return of Christ, just the world turning to Jesus. Do you see that happening? I sure don't. And then you have the return of Christ and then you have heaven. So this time period in here in the post-millennial view is that's the millennial kingdom and it comes before Jesus. He comes after the thousand years. And then you have this last view, the modern pre-millennial view. This is the one that I would cling to and hold to. You have Christ dying on the cross, rising again from the dead. You have the church age, and then you have the return of Christ at the rapture. You have the tribulation period that lasts for seven years. Then you have the bodily return of Christ to the earth, the battle of Armageddon, and the millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. So those are the different viewpoints. Here is a timeline, the way I understand end times. You have where we are right now, the present church age. You have at some undisclosed time, we don't know when, perhaps today, the rapture of the church, the catching away of the bride of Christ. When the church is caught away, then you have this thing called the tribulation period, seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half years, the beginning of sorrows. The last three and a half years called the great tribulation. It's a horrible time. In the middle point, the midpoint, that's when the devil declares, the Antichrist declares himself to be God and says, you're not going to worship any God but me. And if you don't worship me, I'm going to kill you. It's called the desecration of the temple. And then you have the Lord come back at the return of Christ, the millennial reign, final judgment in Revelation chapter 20, and the eternal state of heaven. So let's look. Hopefully you're not confused. Let's look at the different views that people see concerning the rapture. You know, you had all this millennial stuff, premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, your brain is fried. And then you have uh, pre-tribulation premillennial and post-tribulation premillennial, mid-tribulation. All that means is when is the rapture going to take place? Do you think the rapture comes before the tribulation? Do you think it comes at the midpoint of the tribulation? Or do you think it comes at the end of the tribulation? I believe it comes before the tribulation, and I want to explain to you why. It's because the rapture occurs before the wrath of God comes. Very clear. The rapture comes before the wrath of God comes. You say, where do you get that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. It says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. We're to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There is wrath coming on this world. And the Lord delivers us from the wrath to come. You have to remember something. The book of the Revelation, given to John on the island of Patmos in about 95 A.D., He he talks to John, the Lord reveals himself to John, and he tells him, he gives him the seven letters to the seven churches. He tells him the things that are and the things that are going to come. He gives them, he gives John a, a glimpse into the future, a major glimpse into the future. He shows him all these things. Now, if you'll notice, 
as you read Revelation, the church is mentioned in Revelation chapter one, Revelation chapter two, and Revelation chapter three. The church is mentioned 17 times in those three chapters. Then you hit Revelation chapter four, verse one, and John says, and I heard a voice of someone speaking to me with the sound of a trumpet, and he said, come up here. And he was caught up into the heaven. And then he starts to see things in heaven. And then in Revelation chapter six, we are introduced to judgment. And it comes in the form of first seals. The Lord Jesus is handed a scroll and the scroll is sealed with wax. And every time he has to pop a seal and open up the scroll a little more, and then it's sealed with wax again. And so he has to pop another seal to open it. And every time he opens a seal, he reads of judgment coming. And you go through all these seals and they're terrible. They're, they're war and they're famine and they're terror and the coming of the Antichrist. That's the first seal. And so all these things, and then you hit the seventh seal and you think, oh, we must be done. The seventh seal, he pops it open and it's seven trumpets and it's seven trumpets of judgment. And everything, it keeps getting worse and worse. And the seventh trumpet of judgment is seven bowls of judgment. And from Revelation chapter six to Revelation chapter 18, all you read about is the wrath of God being poured out on this world. And the people understand in Revelation chapter six what's going on because they say when the sixth seal is broken and there is an earthquake and the mountains move out of their places and the people cry out and they go into the mountains and they hide out in the caves and they say these words, fall on us and hide us from the presence of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the day of the wrath has come and who is able to stand? Revelation chapter six, those people know this is wrath coming from God. And the scripture says when the seventh bowl is poured out upon the earth, it is done that the wrath of God is now completed. Well, the Lord comes to save us from the wrath that is to come. He hasn't destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. What kind of a husband beats up his bride before he takes her to, uh, to the wedding? I mean, that would be a crazy kind of deal. No, the Lord takes out his bride before the wrath comes because it's clear that it comes. The rapture occurs before the wrath of God comes. And secondly, the rapture occurs before the revealing of the Antichrist comes. You're listening to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve and today's message, part one of the lesson called Raptured. It's the sixth message in the timely nine-message series, Future Shock. What in the world is going on? And as you've heard today, even before the rapture, the wrath of God and the revealing of the Antichrist, the Bible promises that the last days will be full of struggles. So as we get closer to the day when Jesus returns, it's critical that we live with urgency, expectancy, and a keen ability to point out the signs of the times. We at From His Heart want to help you make sure that you're ready for these last days by putting Pastor Jeff's eye-opening End Times resources into your ears and hearts. The first is a companion booklet called How Near is the End? And it's our gift of thank you for your donation to help From His Heart speak real truth in love to a growingly skeptical world. And with that gift of any amount, we'll send you the booklet along with the entire series, Future Shock, What in the World is Going On? And you can request it on USB, CDs, DVDs, or digital download. To get yours, make your gift today when you go to fromhisheart.org or call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE. 
Again, you'll get How Near is the End booklet and the Future Shock series when you partner with us today. I'm Larry Nobles, trusting you'll be right back here tomorrow for part two of the message, Raptured. Be here to learn how to avoid the future shock that many will experience. As Pastor Jeff will again open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart. Here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.